Praise God. You know how you have those songs that kind of define your summer or your season. I think Never Lost is one of those songs for me that is just such a special and amazing song. I love, love, love when our choirs sing that song. So let's go right into prayer. Gracious God, you truly have never, never, ever lost one battle, especially on our behalf, gracious Holy Spirit. There have been times, Lord, when we have felt like things were lost, when we have felt like things have been so dark, Lord, but truly, when all things are said and done, Lord, you truly have never, ever lost one single battle. The victory is yours, Lord, and we are so humble before your throne. Holy Spirit, as we come to you seeking your direction, your hope, and your presence, we desire to grow in your word so deeply, Lord Jesus. We pray, Lord, that you would open our hearts, open our minds, help us to re receive exactly what you have for each and every one of us today. Help us, Lord, to hold on to hope and to hold on to you. We thank you and we honor you. In the mighty and holy name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And all God's people said, amen and amen. God is so good. God is so faithful. You all have an outline in your bulletin if you'd like to follow along with me today. We are in part two, amen. What is the title of our sermon today? Part two. And so we were working in this book that we never quite got to last week, but we're going to get to this week. And we, we were talking about the struggles of life and how God can take our struggles, he can take our lemons, and he can make lemonade. Amen? So many times when God has shown up in our lives. So if you look in your outline, you will notice that um, most of the information is very similar to last week. <laughs> If you scroll down to like number three, Roman numeral number three, you will see it begins part two, and that's where we're going to start at. We're going to be looking at some of the stories of the book, When God Makes Lemonade, and we're going to talk more deeply about some of the circumstances that cause suffering. Remember last week, I had said that sometimes our suffering is caused by ourselves. We cause our own suffering. Sometimes our suffering is caused by other people causing suffering. And some suffering is just uncontrollable. We, we have no say over how that suffering enters our life. Do you all remember that? Good. Can anyone share with me a time where maybe suffering entered your life and you knew you caused it? You caused your own suffering. Nobody want to share that, huh? Everybody nervous. Everybody nervous, like, hold up, Pastor Kelly, I don't want to tell my business. Reginald, you want to come get a mic? We want to hear you. <laughs> Praise, Praise God. I think that's the one. All right, Reginald's going to share a quick testimony when he caused his own suffering. Well, I think, I think a lot of y'all probably know this, but for those of you who don't, um, I had a heart attack probably about a couple of months ago. Mm -hmm. uh, right there, over there. 
anyway, um, I, I, I basically was the one who was very instrumental in that heart attack because I had had one prior and I got to that place where I thought I didn't need medication anymore. Mm -hmm. So I started being my own doctor and I said, I really don't need this medication, so I'm going to wean myself off of it because God didn't heal me. You know, he don't need the doctors to heal me. He's just going to, you know, whammo and it's done. And uh, I stopped taking my medication sporadically. I stopped. I started doing it every other day. And I was still feeling all right. I was still doing what I do, keeping it moving. Then I stopped kind of stopped, not stopped altogether, but it was almost altogether. And I was the result of being there laying in the middle of the office uh, with Pastor Kelly and, and Gail, and Gail uh, <laughs> ministering to me and they worried and I'm worried and you know, it, you know, now I understand, you know, and I understand this really clearly that God works through the medical profession and that he gets his glory by how we get healed through him and through the medical profession. Amen. So I was, I, I caused my own grief. Ooh. That's my story. Good testimony, Reginald. Good testimony. All right, so that's how we bring our own suffering in. Anyone, I know all of us got one, or somebody else that caused us to suffer. Don't use their name. <laughs> Come on, Marvin. The devil made me do it. Oh, the devil made me do it. Ooh. Anyone else want to share something real quick? What about someone that absolutely, you could not control it, you were really born into it, and it's just what it is, It was, but it caused suffering? Drugs, alcoholism, mental illness, Clement? Wow, Clement is saying in 1974, you were shot. Wow. Wow. You're going to get eaten. For those of y'all that's online and can't see or hear Clement, he was sharing a testimony about how he had gotten shot up and how it was kind of a back and forth shooting and how his mother had even forewarned him to leave, but he was a bad butt, as he said, and he stayed. And uh, But God made a way, right? So that sounds like a situation of someone else causing suffering. But what about those things we are born into? Racism. Johnny? It's really hard for, I know you all are shy about talking in the mics, but folks online can't hear you all if you don't talk. Thanks. 
my mother and uh, father was uh, alcoholics and drug addicts. And um, I started using drugs at the age of 10 years old. And uh, I'm, 50, I'm 64 now. And uh, 2021, uh, somebody laid hands on me and uh, told me to uh, break the generational curse and pray to God. And uh, ever since 2021, I've been serving Christ on a daily basis. And they took everything from me and uh, I'm saved. And uh, I'm a new man in Christ Jesus now. Amen. Praise God. Thank you. Our parents, racism, but our parents, we can't choose our parents, can we? Can't choose whether we're born male or female, black or white, short or tall. We can't even choose if we're born with a disability. Can't choose if we're blind or deaf. Can't choose if we have limb issues or spinal issues or any of those issues. Some of our issues don't even manifest until we're older. Go our whole lives without having any issues and then all of a sudden, here we go. Got back aches out of nowhere. I was talking to two different people have gone through their whole lives with no allergies. All of a sudden, they are down for the count. Don't even know how to handle it. See, those of us with allergies all of our lives, like me, we know. <laughs> we don't learn how to live with them. But when you don't get them until you're 60 years old or 70 years old, you're like, what, is, what am I going through? So we all have different struggles, different situations. And in this book, When God Makes Lemonade, I'm going to share three stories with us today. The first is, is a story of a man named Don. Say Don. Don loved to go hunting. Are there any hunters in here? Anybody that shoots or... Uh, no, nobody has... Does anybody own a gun? All right, y'all want to put y'all business out again. I get it. <laughs> but some people enjoy hunting. Some people enjoy having guns. Some people enjoy just shooting or learning how to shoot. And this man named Don, he was a, he was a hunter. And his gun, his rifle had broken. And so he had took it to the shop. He had put his uh, rifle in the shop. And it took a while for them to fix it. So when they finally fixed it, he was so excited to try out his new rifle. The problem was his wife had planned an event. So he couldn't just go home and try his rifle. He had to get ready for the event. Well, traffic was in his favor. He got home pretty quick. And he looked at the clock and he said, wait, I got about four or five hours before the event. I can go out right now real quick before my wife knows and I can go try this gun. How many of y'all know this is sound like a bad idea already? <laughs> like he should have just listened to his wife. Just like Clement said, he should have just listened to his mama. <laughs> so he gets his rifle, puts it in, in the truck. And I don't know why I was reading this story. I was like, why didn't he just go in the backyard and try out the rifle? But instead of going in the backyard, he drives all the way over to the forest and the lake. And, and it's an empty place. And I'm assuming that when you're a hunter, you want to go to a place where people won't be. And you won't take the chance of actually shooting somebody, right? So he goes to this place that no one is at. And he's trying out his new gun. First shot, boom, it works. Second shot, all of a sudden, he feels something in his abdomen. He's wondering what that is at first. Then he realizes he has shot himself with his own rifle. The blood is draining. He's out in the forest by himself. 
He had left his cell phone in his truck. He could not even get to it. And this man is in a mortal situation. It is bad. So he is in, he was close to the water and he fell into the water. So now he's wet. He's by himself and he's got this wound and he's in a lot of pain. And he's trying to crawl his way back toward his vehicle. His dog is also with him. The dog is like being kind and loving and being gentle. This man realizes, I am stuck. Then he hears a voice, a small voice, and he knows it's God. And he says, God said to him, if you make it through the night, you will live. If you make it through the night, you will live. And so he just kind of lays there, gets cold. On the other end, his wife is at home. Of course, she has no clue where he has gone. She doesn't know that he had got his rifle. She just knows they're supposed to be at home getting ready for the event. Well, she's at home getting ready for the event. She's noticing her husband is not home. She's noticing time is passing. She's calling his cell phone. Of course, he's not answering his cell phone. So she's getting worried and worried and worried. Finally, he's a no-show. Why? Because he's laying out by the lake. So the event happens. They go through the night. She's really worried. Her husband hasn't come home. He hasn't called. He hasn't said anything. Now, this is the other side of somebody else causing you suffering, right? How many of you all have been that person waiting for someone to call home and they're not calling? Or you're calling them and they're not answering the phone and you're worried sick about what, what, what's going on? wife is worried sick she calls her dad which is the in his in-law his father-in-law and she says something is wrong i don't know what it is but something is wrong and she explains the whole thing what happened and <laughs> unbeknownst to her his um the males all knew that he was getting his gun you know how you know we are girls we tell our girls what we about to do guys we tell the fellas what we about to do but we don't tell the most important person. So the father-in-law actually knew about this gun and, and what he was doing. And so in his head, he's thinking, I better not tell her. I better not tell her. And so he says, well, let's go out and look. Let's go out and look. But he doesn't want her to go and find a dead husband. So he sends her on some obscure route. It's like, why don't you go over there and look? Go over there and look while he goes to a different place. Well, the place that he actually sent her was the same lake her husband was at. He sent her the, to the lake. So she goes there, and she's over there wondering, why am I at this lake? No one ever even comes over here. My husband isn't here. All of a sudden, she hears a dog barking. The little dog is barking. And the barking of the dog allows her to navigate a path to find her husband. And there he was, holding on for dear life with those words, if you make it through the night, you will live. So Don did make it through the night. They had to helicopter him out, life flight him to the hospital. He had major surgeries. He couldn't walk. He, I mean, really, he did a lot of damage to his body. He had even lost his job as a result of everything that he went through because he was out of work for so long. He had a lot of limits. 
right? <laughs> a lot of lemons. Well, God took his lemons and made lemonade, amen? He took those lemons and changed his story around. As a result of everything that he went through, he became the author of this book. <laughs> and he put it together. Beginning to navigate when God makes lemonade. You see, we talk about our suffering. We talk about our struggles. And we, we even praise God when we come out of the struggles. The missing piece is stopping to look at what did God do with my lemons? What joy resulted as a result of everything I went through, all of my struggles? I mean, I listened to Reginald when he was uh, talking about his testimony of that heart attack. It was a tough day, wasn't it, Gail? Gail and I were so afraid that day. And it was even scarier to see him going to the hospital. And it was, you know, wondering, is he going to make it through and all of those questions. So what resulted of that? What was the, the outcome of all of that? Well, Reginald is much more obedient now. <laughs> He's much more obedient. He's taking that medication faithfully. But it also helped Gail and I, you know, because we were in the office praying for him, you know, calling for him. And it helped us to understand, too, that, you know, how to listen more closely when someone's in pain, when someone is suffering. How many of us have seen someone going through something and we think it's not our place to say something or do something, right? Tell your neighbor, it is your place. So Don was the one that caused suffering to himself. He brought on his own suffering and pain. I want to introduce you to the next story of Michelle. Michelle was a, a person that had the experience that of circumstances she could not control. Michelle was a person who experienced back-to-back deaths. Has anyone ever had one person in their life die, and then as soon as that person died, like two days later or three days later, somebody else died? And then before you can even finish doing those two, somebody else died? We all talk about those funerals, that have, those deaths that happen in threes. So Michelle was the one. Her mother died, her father died, and then her grandmother died. So all those important people in her life were all gone. And anyone that has experienced that, you know that when everyone that's older than you and above you is gone, you experience life slightly different. Anyone? It's just different. So Michelle was so depressed. She was so discouraged. She was so downcast that she didn't even want to be on this planet anymore. She was going to the cemetery to visit her the three people that she had lost, her family members, when she noticed a stranger. And the stranger was always in the same place visiting the person that he was visiting. So one day, Michelle noticed that this stranger, he was always nicely dressed, always well kept. And she just decided, I'm going to stop and ask him who he's visiting. So he, she stopped and asked. And then when, she, when he uh, described her, he said, I'm visiting my wife. It's Friday. It's our date night. It's our date night. And he described that they had been married some 50, 60 years, and every Friday they had had a date night. And he had talked about how much he loved his wife and how important the relationship was, and he felt that just because she was gone didn't mean that he had to stop 
his date night. Isn't that great for marriage sensation, Katie and Walter? You don't have to stop your date night. So he would get well-dressed and he would go and sit with his wife at her gravesite for their date night. And so over the course of weeks, Michelle began to sit next to this gentleman. And he shared a story about his wife and he talked about their love together. And in those conversations, Michelle began to heal. Have you ever had a stranger come into your life and all of a sudden they say something or they do something and you're like, wow, I did not expect that person to come into my life. Well, over those weeks, he shared his entire story. He spoke of all the different things that him and his wife would do. And at the last conversation, he said, you have listened to me talk all about my wife, all about our family, and I have barely listened to you. Next week, we're going to listen to you. I just want to hear about your story. So Michelle walked away, and she was thinking, okay, we can talk about me next. Well, when she came back the next week, he was not there. And then he came back a few days later, still not there. She finally saw in the newspaper that he had passed away. He had passed away. And at first she was thinking, well, should I go to his funeral? I'm a complete stranger. But the Lord placed upon her heart, go to the funeral. And she went to the funeral and she heard all about the stories of his life. And it turned out some things he had left out of his story. He was a very elite, high and mighty person. He had won all these awards. And she just was so impressed that in all those stories, he never bragged about himself. He only talked about his wife and his children the whole time. So over the course of that time of her meeting his family and beginning to heal her heart, Michelle said that God turned her limits into lemonade by changing her direction. She also entered a new career and became a grief counselor and began to support people during their time of grief. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? That's pretty amazing. Our final story today is a, per a couple, it's a, a married couple named Catherine and Dave. And Catherine and Dave were so excited. They were having a baby. Anyone having a new baby come into their lives? Anyone have a family with a pregnant member? Some of us, yeah, Gail got a baby on the way. Jada is expecting. <laughs> Gail wants me to make it clear. She is not pregnant. <laughs> Jada is pregnant. How many weeks is she today, Gail? 11. Gail gets daily calls from Jada, <laughs> daily updates. I think it's the sweetest, most beautiful thing. Who else has a baby? I saw a couple more hands go up. Uh-huh. He got a grandbaby. Who else? I thought, who's that sitting right behind Emma? Did someone have a hand up there? Anybody else expecting a baby? I know y'all ladies are like, don't, don't put nothing on us, Pastor Kelly. We not having no babies. <laughs> Praise God, right? <laughs> well, Catherine and Dave, they uh, were pregnant. They were very excited about the baby being born. 
So they go into the to delivery and the baby is born, but immediately the baby is transferred to the NICU. Mom doesn't get to see the baby. Dad barely gets a glimpse of the baby. The baby is born with a terminal neural tube birth defect. I had to read that because I didn't want to miss it. It's called encephaly, anencephaly. And it meant that her brain had not developed normally in the womb and a large portion of her brain was simply missing. She was not expected to live beyond a few days. That is so painful, isn't it? Some of us have experienced that with family members and friends when a baby is born and does not make it. Gets to nine months and it's about the most painful thing that you can go through as a parent. Well, when the baby was born, they told the parents, just leave the baby. You all go head out the hospital. She's not going to live very long. The mom looked at her baby and, of course, fell in love. And she decided in her heart and with God, I'm taking my baby home. And everybody looked at her. Why would you take this baby home? This baby has no hope. There's nothing going to happen with this baby but struggles and pain. Why would you take this baby home? And because they had had two older children, people really wonder, why would you take the baby home? But the mom, Catherine, said, I'm taking my baby home. And she took the baby home, and the baby lived, you all. The baby lived, not long, but the baby lived beyond the few days that they anticipated her to live. In fact, she lived almost a full year. And while she was at home, she, her older siblings got to know her, her family got to know her, and she was such a blessing to them all. One day, though, and this is what really caused the father to struggle, they wanted to take all of their children to church. They wanted to bring them all to the you know, church and have the kids go to youth church and the baby go to the nursery. But when they got to church, some moms had gotten together and decided that the baby was more than they could care for. They didn't want the baby in the nursery. They felt like they were unsure if the baby would you know, go into a coma or have some infection or anything could happen in the nursery. And they were afraid. They let their fears get in the way of providing care for the baby. The parents were absolutely devastated. We're supposed to go to church and find help. We're supposed to go to church and find love and support. And what they found was rejection. Anybody can relate to that? You go to church for some help, and the church can't help you. <laughs> so here they are. They are truly having a hard time. And they don't know what to do but to take the baby home. Anyone else would think, you know, this is going to collapse their faith. They're going to give up on the church. They're not going to be a part of the church anymore. But you know what God did? God took those lemonades and changed their lives around. The dad in this book is named Dave, and he wrote his first book, When Bad Christians Happen to Good People. 
<laughs> when bad Christians happen to good people, he wrote his first of many books. And their daughter went on to live for that full year. And as a result, her mother and dad were able to heal, and they decided to have another baby. They, they actually got pregnant within three months of that, their daughter's life. And so the baby was born, and they have a son, and they also develop a memorial for their daughter. When God makes lemonade, amen? When God makes lemonade, we all struggle sometimes. Can you tell your neighbor we all struggle? I was even listening yesterday, if you all noticed, um, Tamir Rice had a memorial on West 117th Street. Anybody see that story? Tamir Rice, we all know, was shot and killed here in Cleveland. And he would have been 20 years old this year. It's so hard to talk about. Because he would have been the same age as my daughter, Trinity. And I know all the things that Trinity has gotten to do since his death. And I think about all the things that he did not get to do and his family did not get to do. But God has taken their limits and made lemonade. He has the Tamir Rice Foundation. He has this beautiful memorial, the butterfly, the, the Rice Memorial over there. And it's absolutely beautiful. And they have began to make real change in laws and procedures. Cleveland police had to make a lot of changes, amen, as a result of what happened to Tamir. So we all have struggles. It's just what will we allow God to do with those struggles? Every single one of us in our lives will go through a hard time. And it's because of God that we are able to get through. Some people like to call the Bible God's love letter from heaven. Say love letter. Have you all ever gotten a love letter? Anybody ever gotten a love letter? Some of us. Anybody ever written a love letter and you didn't get nothing back? <laughs> That's happened too. <laughs> Some of us write love letters and we're like, man, I really loved you. And that person don't love us back at all. <laughs> Before we were born, every single day of our lives was written. Before we entered this world, God has uniquely designed every single day. And that's hard because many of us will wonder, why God? Why me? Why did you choose my days to be filled with so much suffering and so much hardship? Why did you do this to me? You see, God has constantly been trying to prepare us for life. Life is not easy. Tell your neighbor, life is not easy. But what happens with this word is this is our preparation. This is our love letter. This is our help to understand how can we get through our suffering, our trials, and our tribulations. I want us to look at the, the book of John today. Jasmine, are you able to put that up for us? We're going to look at John chapter 4. 
verses 13 through 14. Is that John? I'm sorry, I gave you the wrong one, Jasmine. Isaiah. We're looking at the Old Testament. Isaiah chapter 43. And we're going to look at verses 1 and 2. If y'all like to look on your, oh, look, somebody marked that and I didn't pay attention. <laughs> so here it is. This is a specific love letter from, from God right to us. And when we look at this today, we're going to look at it as it is right now. So let's just read this together. And we're going to go from verses 1 through 3. But now, this is, the, is what the, word, the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob... He who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned, for the flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Think about how God is writing to us. Before we were even born, he has written this. So we're going to look at this again. Put it back up for a jasmine. And this time, I want you to put your name in there. Let's read it again. But now, this is what the Lord says. He who created me, faith. He who created Kelly, say your name. He who created Jacob, he formed. Do not fear, for I have redeemed. I have summoned by name. Say your name. Kelly. You are mine. Say your name. You are mine. When you, when I pass through the waters, I, God is with me. When I pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over me. When I walk through the fire, I will not be burned. The flames will not set me ablaze, for God is my Lord, right? This is written to us. It wasn't just written to the people in the Old Testament. It is saying, do not fear directly to you and directly to me. It is saying, I have redeemed who? Me. I have summoned who? You are mine. He's also telling us we are going to go through some hard times. Tell your neighbor you're going to go through some hard times. It says when you pass through the, through the waters. Passing through the waters, right? It doesn't say you're going to go around the water. It says you're going to pass through the waters. And then he promises they will not sweep over you. Then he says, when you pass through the rivers, doesn't say you're going to go around the river, you're going to pass through the rivers. They will not sweep over you. 
And then here's the hardest part. When you walk through the what? <laughs> How many of y'all thought y'all was going to get through life with no heat? <laughs> he is clearly telling us you're going to get wet and you're going to experience some heat. But if you remember from last week, we talked about the water. Who is the water? Jesus. And we need what to make lemonade? We need some water. You can't make the lemonade if you don't ever get to the water. And then we talked about also the Holy Spirit. We talked about the sweetness of the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm going to go to y'all, y'all scientists in the room, right? Some of y'all like to be scientists. Y'all love thinking about stuff. Remember we talked about what do we do with the lemonade? We stir it up. Stirring causes what? Friction. Look at my scientists. <laughs> Friction is what? Heat. <laughs> I got a few scientists in the room. We put ice in the water to cool it down. Because otherwise we're going to be drinking warm or hot lemonade. We don't want warm or hot lemonade. We want some cool lemonade. But the lemonade actually gets warm in the process of making it. And here it is that Jesus is describing to us we are going to pass through waters. But we need the water. We are going to pass through the river. Tell your neighbor, you need the river. And we are going to walk through fire. Tell your neighbor, I need some fire. We need the heat. We do. You see, these things all come together to help God create lemonade. God is a lemonade maker. And see, how we get through this and why people are really struggling is because the acknowledgement that we need this word is difficult. How many of us struggle reading the Bible? Sometimes we all do. You get to Leviticus and you're like, Lord, what, what, what is this all about? You know, you're like, what? I don't even understand all these names. It's hard to think that this is our instructions for life. And so many of us miss out on it. Many of us miss out on coming to church because we're tired, we're bored, we got something else to do. I'm supposed to be at home resting. Anybody supposed to be at home resting right now? <laughs> I'm tired. I had a long week. You want me to come to church, Pastor Kelly? Don't you know I need my time? <laughs> I'm struggling here. Well, if you at home, <laughs> you can't make your lemonade. <laughs> church, worship. I mean, how many of you, when you come in this building and you hear those songs and, and you hear the scripture being read or, or someone encourages you along the way, you feel something. Anybody? You feel something. I cannot describe the experience of worship. It is hard to put those, what is worship? You can really only experience it, right? I mean, where else do you come together like this? You don't do it at the grocery store. I mean, some of y'all going to the grocery store singing hallelujah, and but they're going to look at you like, what's wrong with that person? <laughs> you know, you don't go to school and experience worship. 
You definitely don't go to work and experience worship. You be trying to get the holy water and throw something on your co-workers. Amen. <laughs> worship is something unique and special that only truly occurs with God's people. It says where two or three are gathered in my name. See? Something unique happens in worship. Something special happens in worship. The water, the lemons, and the sweetener all come together to make the lemonade. Reading our Bible. This, saints, this hard-to-read document, this is a part of the experience. You see, I've been talking about lemons and lemonade, but Jesus already said a long time ago, God already said, I am the potter, you are the what? I am the potter, you are the clay. There's even a song, I am the potter, you are the clay. Make me and mold me. Because what happens to clay? You got to what? Pound on it, right? You got to beat it and swirl it around, right? And then where does the clay go? In the fire. In the fire. So when God takes lemonade, lemons, and we are the lemons. Tell your neighbor, we are the lemons. God takes our lemons and makes lemonade. He takes our sufferings and our struggles and makes lemonade. Who can think, just think back on your life, all the times you went through something, all the times you were going through something, and you were really struggling. You look at your kids, I mean, sometimes I have my kids, like ones that are fully grown now. Man, when I think back, I'm like, how did y'all make it? How did y'all make it? Many of us can look at our kids. Remember when they was little? They couldn't even tie their shoes. They was always digging in their nose and nasty. <laughs> always getting in trouble. I mean, how many of y'all had that kid? You got to call every day to go to the school. Every day. <laughs> kid didn't like to read. <laughs> Didn't want to write. They, you was looking at them about them numbers. Like, what's wrong with you? One plus one is two. Every time. You just didn't think they was going to make it. Maybe you was that kid. I don't know. <laughs> but when you think back to where they were. And see how God took those lemons and made lemonades. And now they are nurses. Some of them are on their own businesses. They own their own houses. They make money. They stop digging up their nose, thank the Lord. <laughs> Sorry, my kids was nasty, y'all. Maybe not y'all. <laughs> but think about your own life. Think about your own struggles of what you went through. I keep looking at Katie and Walter because they, man, how many times when you newly married do you want to kill your spouse? I'm sorry. Those of y'all ain't never been married, stay single. You think you got it hard. <laughs> you ain't got it hard. <laughs> you should not have it hard. So you got to share a bathroom with somebody that's a complete stranger. Don't know how to put the toothpaste cap on. 
simple things, simple things. But that first week or days of marriage, you never thought you was going to reach five years. You never thought you was going to get to 10 years. You definitely didn't think you was going to get to 20 or 30 or 40. But look how God can take our lemons and make lemonade. You know, those of you that are, are single and, and right now you want to be married. And life is hard for you too some days. Because you're by yourself and you're worried, how am I going to do this? How am I going to do that? It's hard when you got to pay all your own bills all by yourself. But guess what? You've been doing it. You've been doing it. You're not on the street homeless. You got a place to stay. You've been making it on your own with not any help. I love that about single people. I'm like, man, you're doing it all by yourself. You're doing it. Those of you with health issues, some of you all have some truly significant health issues. Every single day, like Reginald said, you're taking some kind of medication. Every single day, you got to call the doctor or the doctor calling you or the nurse is calling you or you got to go in for a test or something like that is happening every single day. And you want to give up some days. You are tired of being in this struggle. But tell your neighbor, don't give up. The lemonade maker is in the house. The lemonade maker is in the house. And I cannot tell you how many times the person that's dealing with the health struggle has helped change the lives around everybody that they're near. You know, you become a caregiver when somebody in your family is sick. You're the one there sitting by the bedside. Look at all the hands going up. There's a lot of caregivers in this room. You become the one, you know, making sure they eat every day, making sure they get to the bathroom, making sure they get changed and they're clean. That changes you as well as the person that's being cared for. Amen? God is the lemonade maker. When my grandmother had Alzheimer's, it was brutally hard, but it made me grow up. Tell your neighbor, grow up. I remember when I was a teenager thinking, why I got to do this? Why I got to help her get a shower? You, mommy, you should hire somebody. She hired me. <laughs> I didn't get paid, but I got hired. But it changed me made me a better person, made me more understanding, made me more compassionate. And all of you that have been caregivers, and if you truly get invested and get involved and do it right, or even on the days when you're doing it wrong, it changes you. God is taking your lemons and making lemonade. But here's the final point. Do you believe that God will make lemons? God will, say God will. Make lemons, make lemonade, I said it wrong, y'all ain't even catch me. God will make lemonade out of my lemons. Let's pray. Gracious and holy God, we thank you that you are the lemonade maker. It's hard, Holy Spirit, 
to go through those waters, to go through the rivers, and especially the fire. But you have made a promise that you will always be there. You said you will never leave us nor forsake us, Holy Spirit. You promised in your word, Lord Jesus, that you would make a way out of no way, that you would take our rainy days and turn them into shiny days, Lord, that you will be our consistent light. Help us to trust in you. Help us to believe in you. Help us to know, Lord, that you are going to make something out of our lives. We thank you and we honor you, Lord, for all good gifts given through you and all that you do. It's in the mighty and holy name of Jesus Christ that we pray. And all God's people said, amen and amen.